meaning. And we will look at that as we go through our Bibles, which begins today. Our walk through the Bible. We're going to go all the way through the Old Testament, the New Testament, and people say, well, what do we do when we're done with that? Well, church is over, basically. Um, <laughs> you're done. Uh, it's kind of like you can walk your dog for like six days straight and they're done. Yeah, you never have to do it again. No, we will go back through and look at different things after we're done with this, but this is going to take us quite a while, uh, starting with Genesis today and next week with a question. Why do people have babies? It's a fair question. I mean, have them on purpose. Two people, seemingly rational, seem to enjoy their time with each other. They, they like each other enough that they did rings and the whole vow thing in front of people. And then they mess it all up. They bring in a baby. Don't be insulted yet. There's plenty more time to be insulted. <laughs> Maybe they bring in that baby through conception or adoption. They know that baby, because they've heard the stories, will cause them heartache sometimes, loss of sleep, huge loss of income, take over their schedules, but they do it anyway. I can cut them a break for that. But then, some people do it again. And you're thinking, how slow a learner are you? <laughs> we say that. And we say it tongue-in-cheek, and we say it in humor, because we know we, ha we have babies, we know all the problems, but we do it anyway because we want to love them. Number one question that I would get when I ran a blog for six years, just taking any open questions, I don't do that now because time just won't let me. The number one question I got was, why did God create the world when he knew all this would go wrong with it? Why do people have babies? You have to think of this before you start with the book of Genesis. He knew how it would go, but the chance to love us was worth it. The chance to love the children is worth it, is it not? In fact, we loved our children so much that when they started making kids, we got all excited. Now, it's true, we get all the fun, none of the responsibility, but that's, that's beside the point. We knew that they were in for an adventure. There'd be sadness, there'd be pain and cost, but it's worth it. We believe it's worth it. God thought it was worth it. Now, as we go through our march in the Bible, you might think, oh, this could be boring because I've heard all the stories before. It's basically ark, fish, commandments, plagues, things falling out of the sky, and then Jesus, then he's back again, and then church. That's true, but then I wouldn't have a job. So we're going to pad it a bit by actually looking at all the other bits. Next week, we'll take a look at creation and the flood, but very briefly. Instead, I want to show you why and how things go wrong. That the good creation went wrong, that the wonderful, righteous God creates something which becomes pain-filled, pain evil, evil. How did this happen? The same way it's still happening. Children are easily misled. And we lay awake at night worrying about that, don't we? We worry about who's influencing our children. We, we worry about strangers that might entice them with candy or presents. And we, uh, we worry about bad friends who might mislead them. 
bad peer pressure, about drugs, about alcohol, other reckless behavior, about marrying the wrong person. There's so many lines that leap to mind there. You know, we, you know what, are you, what are you gonna say to him? Don't marry the wrong person like I did. You know, no, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. The, uh, what, we're worried about that. How are they gonna make it? There's a line in British weddings that I'm so glad is not in yours because it's, it's an antiquated old English way of saying things. When the guy, the, the man looks at the woman and says, you know, faithfulness, all this other, I ply thee my trough. Now, nobody knows what a trough is or how to ply it. What it really means is, I give you everything. All that I own is now yours. When you're married, you don't have anything. You know, it's, I've almost, I, in my head, I always see a dad turn into the mom saying, well, there goes the bicycle. You know, uh, what? <laughs> we worry, don't we? How are they going to make it? We worry about our kids, about our teens, because the myths of atheism are constantly thrown at you. The myths of consumerism, that you're going to be happier if you just own this, are thrown at you constantly that all you need in your life is one more thing. The history of the human race can be summarized, or at least our condition, by God makes us, made us, and he loves us. But we are not alone in the universe, and some of the things out there don't like us. And three, to when God requires our attention and our focus. For the devil to when, he doesn't need your attention. He doesn't need your focus. All he needs to do is have you not look at God. That's all. In marriage, think of it this way, guys. Your wife wants you to look at her in a certain way and only at her in a certain way to when that has to happen. To lose, you just have to not do that. God says, look at me. Keep your eyes on me. The devil just wants you not to. And he doesn't even care if you believe that he exists. So he comes at us with a set of lies, and those lies are why the world went wrong and why it is still going wrong. The devil has not had to come up with new lies. That's the amazing thing. Once you realize what the lies of the devil are, what he started with, and you realize he didn't have to buy any more tools. They're still working. Let's have a look. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. The serpent, and that's a symbol for the devil. Uh, people will always worry about, now, was he really a flying snake and all this other? Stop it. You're going to hear me say this a thousand times. The point of the story is the point of the story. Keep the main thing the main thing. If you're thinking about snakes with wings, you might miss the point of the story. All right? It's, it's, like, it's like your aunt and your uncle the crazy ones, that every time they tell a story, she'll start by saying, last Tuesday, and he'll say, no, I think it was Wednesday, and nobody cares. <laughs> so let's get to the story. The serpent was more clever than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. The serpent said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit of any tree that's in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we can eat the fruit of the trees that are in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden. Do not even touch it. If you do, you'll die. 
You can be sure that you won't die, the serpent said to the woman. God knows that when you eat the fruit of that tree, you'll know things you've never known before. You'll be able to tell the difference between good and evil. You'll be like God. Believe it or not, that's where we have to start before we start walking through the Bible. That's where we've got to start before we go walking through this week. Five lies. And the rest of the Bible is people either believing God or believing one of these five lies. And your life is either believing God or believing one of the five lies. Let's have a look, just in case you didn't catch the lies. The first one, has God said? It's really a couple of assaults, both of them indirect. Seems to be an innocent question. Oh, really? Did God really say that? That's fascinating. But they're really not interesting. They're, they're not innocent, rather. They both, the, the aim is to cast doubt on God. Many people who would never question the instructions for how to use an app on their iPad or never question the instructions from Ikea on how to put together the furniture you just bought will question the instructions they find in Scripture. I find that fascinating. God gave us instructions through his Son, instructions about peace, love, service, sacrifice, and we question those but we don't question that we're supposed to have six of these type B grommets. How interesting is that? Now, it is also interesting that when Paul says, Has God, did God say, that's an actually a very fair question. When you read scripture, you need to remember who's saying what. You've got Rabshakath in there, bad guy, giving us big old long spiel about what God will and will not do. That's not God. When you say the Bible are the words of God, Rabshaketh is in there. You have to, it's better to say Rabshaketh said in the Bible. This, that, and the other said. But whenever you say Jesus said, pay attention. As God said in the transfiguration, there's Moses, there's Elijah. You listen to Jesus. You look at Jesus. God has said. But there's another aspect to this question. Did God say to you, this world doesn't mind if you believe that crystals heal and St. John's wort will cure your depression. This world doesn't mind if you believe horoscopes, psychic hotlines, or if you listen to marriage counselors that are on their fourth marriage. But if you listen to the Bible, you're considered strange. I got an email a few weeks ago, one of those emails. I get a lot of them, but this is from the atheist side that I get a lot from. The subject line, the Bible invalidated. Well, I'd better open that one. I could change my plans for the weekend. <laughs> and this guy cherry-picked a verse over here and cherry-picked a verse over here and said, look, they are in contradiction with each other. They absolutely were because they're in different contexts talking about completely different things. But it's the arrogance of people who think that after 2,000 years, they're the first ones to find this that there have never been anybody question this, there's never been any answers given. I tried three times to give him answers. Wouldn't work. So I sent him back and I said, fair enough, you got us. It's all a sham, I'll alert the other churches, we've been found out. <laughs> Just dismiss and go home, party's over. He didn't write back yet, but he will. 
the world will use these kind of straw man arguments all the time. I read atheist magazines every week. There are two mainstream ones, and they both publish bi-monthly on the alternate month. So I read them as they come out. And then poor Cammie, you know, Cammie's married to a minister, and she'll walk into, a, uh, walk into the house, and there's skeptic magazine with, you know, there is no God over here, and, or a book that God is not good over there. It's not like I'm living a double life. I want to know what the arguments are. And frankly, they're pitiful. They're pitiful. I'll look and think, all right, this guy has a PhD, and we let him eat with a fork. He must know something. And I'll read the argument, and I'll go, that's so sad. Our, our, our middle schoolers can answer this question. Has God said, or has God said to you, Christians and teens, let me talk again to teens. Becoming a Christian doesn't mean you turn your brain off. Go ahead and question. Go ahead and think. Go ahead and read. Go ahead and argue. God is big enough. God is tough enough to handle it. Don't be afraid. And whenever your parents get afraid, because we get afraid, we do. We're afraid if you come in and say, I'm not sure that the Bible, when it says this, we're terrified that the next thing you know, you're going to be an axe murderer. <laughs> God is not. God can handle the questions. And you'll find a lot of us here are, have asked the same questions and had them answered, and we'll answer them for you. We'll show you what we did. We'll show you how we deal with it. We know the Bible we know it, was told, it talks about God, but we know there are a lot of human voices in there. So don't let the devil pull this one. Did God really say? Don't let him do that. And then the twisting scripture, the next one. Did God say you couldn't eat from any tree? Oh, that's a popular devil's way of twisting things. If you don't approve of everything I do and like everything I like, you must be a hater. Don't politicians do that every day? Isn't that what our news is all about? If you don't like every single thing I've ever said and done, you're a hater. Not only must you love me, you must approve of everything I do. Don't we give that argument or hear that argument? If you don't like our music, you must just hate fun. If you don't approve of sleeping around, you must, not, you must hate sex. Really? There are other options. There's a whole lot of other options in there that you can plug in. I've had, I don't know how many times in college campuses, people tell me Christians are just really hung up on sex. And my response is always, no, I work for the guy that invented it. He, he thought about it and came up with the mechanics of it and said, this is good. And they always, they don't know what to say then. <laughs> this lie is really another way of saying, is it really fair for God to put all this pretty fruit in front of you and then tell you you can't have it? See, that's another lie. To put everything in the world out there and say you can't have everything. You can't have everything. Sorry. If you're trying to win an NBA championship, you're not an astronaut. You don't have time. You've got to choose. We can't have everything. In worship, the perfect worship minister upsets everybody equally every Sunday. Why? Because nobody gets all their favorite music. Here's a, here's a secret. Not even the worship minister. 
I want to tell you right now, I've worked with I don't know how many, and none of them get to sing the songs they like, which, and I've also worked with them, it's, it's a good thing. <laughs> Everybody leaves a little, because nobody gets everything they want. And the devil will tell you, God said the one tree, but his lie is he won't let you touch anything. He won't let you have any fun. People, that's what five-year-olds say. Whenever they say, Can you, will you take me to the fair again on your way home from the fair? <laughs> and you say, no, we're going home. You don't want us to have any fun again. There are many options between those two points. The devil loves this. So what did Eve do? She made a horrible error. She overspoke for God. Don't do that. She said, yes, he said not to eat of that tree, but we're not even allowed to touch it. God didn't say that. One of my first crises in faith happened when I was probably 12 years old. And my father preached another sermon against dancing. We had tracks, little brochures in the back. I'm sorry, brochures. <laughs> Why do Americans pronounce things like you're French? It's, it's a garage. No, it's a garage. Deal with that. Anyway. So it's, it's a brochure. And it, you know, about how dancing leads to you know, war and communism and that sort of thing. And, and so my father preached another sermon and he used the, the, the word lasciviousness and King James means dancing. And there was one of our youth guys that said, I don't think that's true. So I was, well, I'll show you. So I went and grabbed a whole bunch of Greek lexicons, spent the whole day reading them because I didn't have a life. But... <laughs> but I had lexicons. <laughs> and it doesn't. And the track said it did. And my little world began to crumble when I began to realize we had overspoken for God. God said, don't lust. We said, well, dancing might one day lead to lust. Therefore, don't dance. We overspoke. God says, don't be drunk. What did we say? No alcohol. Now, for a lot of folk, no alcohol is a really good idea. <laughs> really. Um, I don't think it helps their personality. And uh, it's just probably smart. To, you know, alcoholism is a bad, horrible thing. But we went from uh, one step, alcoholic. There, no, there are a whole lot of steps in between. And we need to be aware you don't overspeak for God. And churches love to overspeak for God. Then the next lie, you will not surely die. Interesting that the devil would use this one. If he can't use death against you, touch the tree and you'll die, then you won't die. There are never any consequences at all. But there are consequences. One of the things we have done to our children is we have removed consequences. It used to be that if it was your turn to start the fireplace in the schoolhouse, and you didn't get there early and do it, everybody was cold. Technology now, we push a button and that's fixed. So many illustrations we could use. Consequences. We've removed the consequences. There are consequences to sin. There are consequences to not listening to God. There are consequences to not obeying Jesus the Christ. And you can't remove those consequences. 
A lot of times people will say, but God hasn't moved against us with hell and the like for thousands of years. Do not confuse God's patience with weakness. He knows what he's doing. His holding off punishment is because of love, not because of lack of will. Justice requires that he move. And he will move. And then in this other lie, God is keeping good and important stuff from you. Many people confuse mythological gods with the true God. They think our God is hiding things. Now, we've already talked about good things God's keeping from you. That's The devil did that one. Why did God give you a sex drive and not let you use it? He does. He just says it's safer here. Same, you know, it's, it's kind of like, why did why the state give me a driver's license and say I can't drive in the mall? Well, there's a reason. It's safer on the road on that side of it. Thank you. And traffic circles are the only place where no rules exist. <laughs> Evidently. But I don't beat my horn and yell at people because this is Tennessee and they've got guns. So <laughs> it's all right. God gave you some freedom. He gave you some pleasures. But he said, here's the safe place for that. It's not safe somewhere else. This is a different one. This is, there's secret knowledge out there. Like this guy with the Bible invalidated thing. Secret knowledge, a Bible code. We have found that if you take every 15th word, except every 15th time when you take the 14th word, and then you take the 13th letter, you just want to bang your head in the wall. And they'll say, it'll say things such as, uh, this prophecy is true about this war. and Stop it. There's something called in science the law of big numbers. If something is a one in a million chance, it is guaranteed to happen because we have more than a million particles in the universe. And the more things you've got, the more things will happen. So you go through the Bible and you start cherry-picking letters and they'll say, here's a hidden code. Or, we found the book of Judas. Oh, this will lighten up everything now. Did you notice how quick that went away? Because people read it. They went, oh, that's no good. Hidden books. The books they kept out of the Bible. Uh, God's trying to keep us from having a good time. We need a prophet to show us hidden things about courses and miracles or the like. Or prophets to tell us that we can ignore what the prophets in the scripture really said. And people get angry at su not supplying what they want right then. I had uh, a doctor friend call me. He said, I'd like you to go see this patient in the hospital for me. I said, sure. I said, is this a pastoral call or a shrink call? He said, it's a shrink call. I said, what's going on? He said, this guy was a health nut all of his life. He's 70 years old, and I had to tell him he's got cancer, and he's mad. He is so mad, he won't let the nurses or anybody do anything with him. He is out of control. And I said, thank you for suggesting that I go into the room. So I walk in, he just glaring at me. This is a guy that was taking over 100 vitamin pills a day. People, that's not natural. People will say, but they're all natural. No, it isn't. That pill has enough for 500 oranges. Eating 500 oranges a day is not natural. 
Anyway, they'll, 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 you know, he was doing this. He only ate certain foods that were grown on a Tuesday by a hairy monk. I don't know, but whatever it was. <laughs> so I walked in, 70 years old, looked at, he glared at me. My opening line was very smooth, I thought. I said, so you got cancer. <laughs> I, I like to get all of that chit-chat out of the way. After a while, we talked bluntly. I looked at him, I said, did you think you weren't going to die? He felt God was withholding from him eternal life because he'd been good. He's supposed to never get sick. I said, no, people get sick, people die. God's not being mean to you. That's our path. That's what we do. We've gotten so spoiled when our microwave breaks. We yell, there is no God. God's not holding back good stuff from you. In fact, I bet you've got so much stuff you're having trouble finding a place to put it. You ever complained about your closets? Don't have enough closets. What does that mean? I'm being way overblessed. You have stuff in the garage? See, I can say it. Garage. Do you have stuff out there where you keep your automobile that um, is out there for being bad? Stuff, you know, like golf clubs. It didn't work. <laughs> or fishing poles that you're going to use one day when stores don't sell fish. We have so much stuff, our garages are too full to put the cars in. Ooh, I hit a nerve. <laughs> there was a mumbling over through here. Did you invite the preacher over? No, I didn't. People, we're blessed. God's not holding back anything from us. What about this other one? You can be your own God. Eve is attractive to that, and who isn't? We'd all like to decide what's right and wrong, wouldn't we? And the thing is, we act like we know. We act like God likes what we like, he feels like we feel, and he wants what we want. Wait a minute, then you're God. I'll tell you right now, if God confuses me, he aggravates me, he frustrates me, he annoys me, but he's right. Because he's God, and I'm not. And I wrestle with him knowing he's going to win. And I question him knowing he's got the answer, whether or not he'll supply it to me. It's up to him. That annoys me too. But it's still right. Can you imagine how insufferable a human being would be if they were always right and always knew everything about everything. And those of you who think you do are insufferable. <laughs> God says there is a... All right, two facts of the universe. There is a God, you're not him. But we want to be him. We love power. We're drawn to it like Gollum to the ring. That's as nerdy as I'm going to get. Well, that's as nerdy as I'm going to get intentionally. I might accidentally nerd out. I never know. The fact is we will worship something, whether it's nature, money, sex, ourselves, or God. Choose who you're going to worship. No one is God but him. And that's how we start our journey through Scripture. The drama of human history is a series of events in which we've got to ask if the person involved will believe God or one of those five lies. Will Noah build his ark or believe everyone else? 
Will Abraham leave his country and go to a land God will show him? Or will he explain it away, add to it, make some mistakes because he overspeaks for God? Will Lot believe the Lord's angels and flee Sodom? Will Abraham take Isaac up into the mountain? Will Jacob eventually listen to God and become a good man? Or will he continue to let himself be his own God? Will the sons of Jacob serve God or their own competing natures? What will happen to Joseph when he's given opportunity to doubt God? What will happen to Joseph when he's given every opportunity to think God is holding out on him? And what about you? This book will lead you to your heart and reveal to you who you're listening to if you let it. If you read the story, don't read it as a law book. Law books are boring. And this has bets, I'll grant you. There are a lot of begats that one wonders why we need to know. But the story is pretty fascinating, and it's our story. Will you, will you read it and believe that God has said, God has provided, God's not holding back on you, and God is God, and God is good? Mark, would you bring your team back up? What story will you join? What part will you play? Will you be the answer to someone's prayer? Will you step up and follow the Lord wherever he's going, or will you listen to someone else? In my neighborhood, there, are, there seems to be a lot of mental illness. I'll explain Every day, I see people in this heat and humidity that are out running. <laughs> I'm, I'm an observer of human nature. I've noticed most of these people have vehicles. But they're running. All right, fair enough. If they wish to do that, that's fine. But the danger is, and it's a danger, they have earbuds in. They can't hear traffic. They can't hear an attacker. They can't hear a bad dog. They're sealed off from the world while being out in nature. Now, there's nothing wrong with earbuds, but they are a danger if they're blotting out what you need to hear. If your music is too loud in your car and you can't hear the siren, it's a danger. As we read the Bible, the question is, what's in your ear? Who has your ear. And that's why we start Genesis 